0: God is good, isn't He? Isn't it good to be together? Isn't it good to be in His presence? He is so good to us, isn't He? Nothing else compares. Nothing else will do. Nothing else but Jesus. Everything else is secondary. And we're so thankful that He gives us so many blessings, doesn't He? He's given us so many things, but nothing. All of those things only have meaning in Him, right? Your marriage, your spouse, your children, the things that you love, Lord, on this earth, it only has life through Christ, right? Without Him, all of those things are meaningless and worthless, and you can't do it successfully. You can't love without Jesus and His love. You can't truly love your husband or your wife without Jesus. You can't love your children. You can't raise them without Him and without His word. There is nothing else but Jesus, and we just just give that to you again, Lord, even just one more time. We just thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. We thank you, Lord, for your blood on that cross for us. We thank you, Lord. There is life in this church today because of you. You are alive. You are not dead. You are not left in that grave, but you are alive, and we are alive in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. He is here. I believe that. I know it. And we don't always feel him, but I feel his presence in this room this morning. We don't go by feelings. We go uh, by the word, right? The word says that he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And we believe his word, whether you feel him or not. But I love when it crosses into your emotions and into the feelings as well. I'm not dependent on those things, but uh, just as you know, your spouse can love you. And and, and you know that inside you, but then when you have the feelings of love associated with the knowing of it, that's amazing, isn't it? So we're just thankful. I know I can feel his presence here today, and I just want him to speak to you. I want him to encourage you, and I'm going to go right into his word. We're going to go right into part three of what I've been preaching on, and I've been preaching from this uh, little chunk of scripture here in Hebrews 12, verse 1. and Hebrews 12, 1. It tells us that we need to run a race. Everybody say, run a race. It's the race that Christ has set before us. It's the race that's been set before us, and it says to run with endurance. To run that race with endurance, but you can't do that. Say, I can't run that race without verse 2. Verse 2 says, (laughs) right? You can't run that race without him, and it says... That we keep our eyes on Jesus. Say, I need to keep my eyes on Jesus. In fact, uh, the NLT, uh, the NIV rather, is the only translation that says fix your eyes. And I really like that. Because it's not just merely looking at him or looking at him occasionally or looking at him casually. But we need to be fixed on him. We need to be glued to Christ, in fact. We need to be locked, eyes locked together. We need to be locked together with him, right? Eyes, my eyes into his eyes. And he has life within him, right? He has the the life uh, that I need in him. He has the strength that I need in Him, there is nothing and there is no way to uh, that will satisfy, that will get me through, etc. Without Him, it has to be with Jesus. And, and there is a race and there is an endurance. And I've been kind of preaching and I've been kind of dancing around this because I'm going back and forth between these three weeks because uh, it's a two-part. Everybody say it's a two-part thing. It's a two-part thing. I want to read this line the Holy Spirit gave me last week, and I'm just going to say it again. God's going to do it. Everybody say God's going to do it. But you have to go through it. See, it's a two-part thing because it's Jesus. It's his strength. It's his life. It's his breath. You can't do anything, even sinning. Do you realize that even to sin, you need God's help? I'm serious. I know that that sounds crazy. I'm not saying that he's approving of it. But you can't even sin without the help of the breath that he freely put on this earth when he made you. And even though you've rebelled against him in the world or you've you've become a rebellious Christian who has chosen, chose to, to sin and to use your breath for yourself or use your, your body for yourself or use your, uh, in your, your, uh, abilities and your gifts for yourself. Even though you are doing those things selfishly, you are still doing it with the help of God. You have nothing on your own. Nothing. You are no one and nothing. In fact, I've said it before from the pulpit, I'll say it again, that hell is not the torment of fire that you should be fearful of. Hell is the separation from God. You can't even imagine. We can't. We can't imagine. And in fact, we don't need to try to imagine too much because we're secure in Him forever and ever. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to experience that. But... Just for a second to think about it, the separation from God, that's hell. You can't even understand what it would mean to be separated. There's this thing, even in our human nature, right, When, um, when children are abandoned, or even the parent put them up because it was the, it was the thing that they had to do, it was, they had no choice, it might have been a 16-year-old pregnancy and they put that child up for adoption. There's something within their code the DNA of that child that will track down, wants to track down that parent, even if the parent turns out to be a mass murderer, something inside them feels like they need to know that person that birthed them. They're not really a father or a mother, are they? Right? A father and a mother is someone who's raised you and has been there for you and taken care of you, but yet something inside their DNA, their code says, I need to know what made me. And we don't realize that is as uh creations by the true father by by god that that is in our dna and we have discovered you know we've tapped into it and and we've listened to that that pulling i need to go find my father and and his voice was already there wooing us in right and we we come to know him the world doesn't know uh that they already that he's still around them even though they're not calling him father and respecting him he's still around them and they don't They don't understand the fullness of that separation. And so my point is, is that we already are aware of this, that there is nothing that we can do without Christ. So I needed to, I said that we took multiple minutes to really make that firm because simultaneously, verse one, we've been preaching on says that we need to run a race. And this is the the thing about a believer is that it's your feet his strength, right? It's your mouth, but his word. It's your hands, but his power. There is this connection between God in heaven and you on earth. There was a connection through the Holy Spirit by God the Father in heaven and Jesus the Son on the earth and his will in heaven, right? And Jesus told us to pray that, right? Right? On earth as it is in heaven. Right, He told us to pray that because God's will in heaven through the Holy Spirit was being walked out on the earth uh, through Jesus. And as believers, as Christians, the same exact commission is for us, which is to take the will of God through the Holy Spirit and walk it out on this earth. And so it's His power... It's God, but it's you walking it out. Who has ever had God open your mouth supernaturally and uh, just start preaching to someone? No, no, don't. No, just don't get ahead of me. Some of you are thinking, yeah, I've had it happen. No, just, just, just hold on. I'm not saying you started to talk and then you didn't know where the words came from, but the word kept coming out. Right, Because we've, we've had that as believers. I mean, you, were, you decided, I'm going to keep my lips closed, and I'm just going to sit here, and your head turned supernaturally to the person next to you on the train, and your mouth started moving, and God started speaking to them. Anybody ever have that happen? Now, has anybody ever, now rewind, because when I started speaking, all of you started to think, yeah, I've had something like that happen. Who started to speak to someone because you felt like God wanted you to speak to them? It was his nudge, but then you did it. Come on. And then as you did it, something came out of you that you didn't even know was in you. Anybody have that happen? I think we can all agree as believers, if you've been following him, that that's happened more than once. I didn't even know that was in me. And so, and that is what we need to get to that's the place that we should be in all the time it's that there's this there's this fixed on Christ it's him and yet you're still doing it and I find that if you don't open your mouth even though Christ wanted to speak to them the words don't come out. do you realize how many people around you and how much uh, how much uh, the atmosphere around you could be changed and how much the world could be changed around us if we would open our mouth if we would extend our hands if we would pray do you realize it's not a lack of the Lord's love and compassion towards humanity it is a lack of us running the race it doesn't change Christ it doesn't change his power it doesn't change the cross it doesn't change his blood it doesn't change his will for them around you but and I don't know why he doesn't just supernaturally just stand on top of a mountain and be like hey I'm Jesus it was me yes I was on the cross the story's true and all of you can come to me he could do that and he doesn't do that and I could be uh, a weirdo and say well I'm not going to share the gospel because you have enough power in yourself that you could do it. Why don't you do it? Instead, I'm going to listen to the Word, when the Word tells me to do it. But the Word tells me, don't worry. Don't even worry about what you're going to say, because I'll fill your mouth when you go to speak. And so I love, I'm going to turn to a story. I want to. That was the, the intro um, into part three. I want to turn to a story, and I want to continue on that exact same theme. One of my favorite stories in the whole Bible which is where this exact scenario that I just uh, spoke about actually came to life, and it's found in Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14, and actually, uh, let me see, I wanted to go to verse 25, but I think I want to back up just a few verses before that, so let me just open uh, to there as well. Instead of just pulling it up from my notes, I want to see uh, verse—we'll go to verse 24. The um, story's—verse 22. So basically, um, Jesus sent his disciples in a boat across the sea. In verse 23, uh, as they were uh, going, the night fell— and Jesus was alone. And verse 24 says, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen. Everybody say there had, been, there had been a strong wind. And it says, And fighting heavy waves. Now, verse 25 says, as we go into verse 25, it says that about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them. So, Uh, If you look this up in Mark and you look this up in Luke, it tells us that they were actually not able to control this thing. Things had gone out of control, right? The boat is now being controlled by the wind and by the waves. Everybody say, the boat was not in control. The disciples were not in control. The wind and the waves were in control. Alright, that's significant to this story. Everybody say, the wind and the waves took control. Who knows that happens sometimes in your life, right? Sometimes you lose control. Who loses control sometimes? And not that type of control. (laughs) You lose control and when you lash out, that's not the type of lose control. We can lose control and then we need to give it to Christ. We're not supposed to lose control. When we say that in the world, that means that, I mean, I lashed out. I lost control. But they lost control, and they were afraid. And it says that about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Did you hear me? It says Jesus came toward them walking on the water. He's walking on those very waves. He's walking through that very wind. The wind that is tossing this boat around is not affecting him. Jesus is walking straight through it. Everybody say Jesus is walking straight through. It doesn't matter which way the wind is blowing. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what's happening in the economy. It doesn't matter what's happening in the culture. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. Jesus is walking unaffected. He is not affected by it. And they, it says that then, verse 28, Peter called to him, Everybody say, Peter called, Peter called to him, and he said, Lord, <laughs> if it's really you, tell me to come to you, right? This is what we'd all be thinking. I know We'd all be like, hey, Jesus, the most logical thing for us to do right now is not you to come get in the boat with us and just help us get to shore, but it's me to get out there on those waves with you and walk. But Peter is not like the other disciples, right? Peter, we're going to find out as we go into the rest of the New Testament that he is a fiery ball (laughs) for the Lord. His faith, he wants to be near Jesus all the time, right? He's the only one that jumps and swims to shore too later. Remember when Jesus comes and visits them later on? And so Peter... Wants to be out there with Jesus, and he asked the most logical question about walking on the water, right? Just like all of us. But Jesus says something very interesting in verse 29, which is that, I'm sorry, Peter, it says in verse 29, I'm Jesus and you're not. It says, sorry, I can do this, but you can't. Actually, it says, yes, come. Everybody say, Jesus spoke. Jesus spoke word. You know, anytime that Jesus speaks, it's word. Come on, it's the word. Do you know that God spoke everything that we have into existence? It tells us in John chapter 1 through Jesus. So that means when God spoke, I mean, you can picture it however you want. It doesn't really matter because they're all God. Maybe it does matter if we really, really, maybe Father's offended at me now. I don't think so. But he spoke through Christ, so whether Jesus opened his mouth or it was just through the power of Jesus, we don't know. I choose to believe it was through his mouth because of the picture that we get on the earth or, uh, after creation, maybe 4,000 years later, we don't know, but let's just guess 4,000 years later when Jesus walks the earth that God the Father is the mind in heaven and Jesus is the mouth on the earth. So I choose to believe that God's mind is, was sitting there, and Christ spoke out the the will of the Lord. Doesn't really matter, but it was through Christ, and through Christ, it tells us in John chapter one that everything you see that that the stars, that the 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 whole uh, earth, and all of the animals, and how everything works together, and we we just don't. I love, come on, sorry God, I'm getting like I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm getting I'm just. I think about the bigness of God. I just think about the bigness of God and how incredible. I can't, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm stumbling for words because I'm thinking about how stupid it is that the world thinks that we just happened. I just, I get like, but I, it's unbelievable thinking about how perfectly everything must work together. We're not just talking about like, you know, time, uh, and, and how moments have to line up perfectly, right? You and your spouse had to line up in the same places in life at the same time on the same day, you know, to meet for that right look to be, you know. Uh, that, but push that stuff aside. The world just calls that fate and chance, you know. Let's just talk about the perfection of, you know, we decide we want to have, we want to procreate and we want to make many uses and we can just choose to do that. And then, because we just had our niece come out a couple weeks ago, and it's just amazing. It's incredible. And they're, they're, uh, the perfection of just the eye alone, you know, it doesn't just see, but their mind is calculating what they're seeing and, and starting to figure it out. And then one day, you're an adult, and you know what you saw. And I can remember 30-something years ago, and you older ones remember 60 years ago, like you were there yesterday. It's just, I mean, I know I'm going all over the place in my words, but it's just amazing. It's incredible. And all of that, God spoke out in an instant, in an instant. God spoke it, and it was. Everybody say he spoke it, and it was. Do you realize there is no less power in Jesus' words standing on that water As there was when he said, let us make man in our image. At the very moment of creation when he spoke, and it was. When Jesus said, come to me, you have to realize that time was pushed aside, space is pushed aside. The natural order of this world that we don't walk on water, by the way. You ever saw that? Anybody seen that prank on YouTube? It's an old one now, but this guy put it on YouTube uh, with no video editing, and he ran like 30 feet on water with no editing at all. And and it's it's true that it was not edited. What? So people started doing it, and it was all these copycats. And he said, "Well, you have to run at this particular, you have to run at a certain angle." Anybody ever saw this? Only one, two people have seen it. Okay, it was really funny. So all these people were trying it, and he's like, well, you have to run at this particular angle, and then he did it. He ran right on the water for like 30 feet. Now, what he wasn't telling you was they had set up a plexiglass table on the shore uh, on the, under the, the, right underneath the surface of the water for 30 feet out. So, I mean, he really was running on it, and there was no editing. It was live, but there was, a, there was glass underneath, so all these people were trying it. So, you know, the people that tried it soon found out that we don't run on water. We don't walk on water. We weren't designed to do that. And yet, when God said to Peter, come, the the natural order of this earth was pushed aside. Just as when Jesus said it's finished on the cross, the natural order of death at the end of your life changed. And now, because of his word, He said, it is finished. Because of his word, now death will be thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Isn't that incredible? And this is what's amazing. It says that Peter went over the side of the boat. Everybody say, Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. I know we read this just like, well, that's such an amazing supernatural story. I wish I could be there. And I'm not encouraging any of you to go out and walk on thin ice, or as we're at 60 degrees in January, to go out and try and walk on the pond across the street today. But I am encouraging you that Peter heard the word of the Lord. And when he knew, he didn't know uh, to the fullness yet, and he's going to know. Peter's going to raise his own people from the dead through the power of Christ, not too far from here. But he knew that when Jesus spoke, he looked into his eyes, and he knew that God's word was true. And that if Jesus said to come, that when he stepped over the boat and he began to walk on the water, he knew it was possible. He knew that whatever God said, it didn't matter what it looked like, Didn't matter what it felt like. In fact, we know from the story, and I'm going to read that verse in a moment, that the wind and the waves don't cease. It remains exactly the same. In fact, when we come to Christ and we begin to follow His Word, sometimes we're expecting uh, a yellow brick road all the way to heaven, sometimes we're expecting a bed of roses. And sometimes we're expecting everything to instantly be perfect, and we think, Jesus, you've abandoned me. Jesus, you've failed me. God, I thought this was going to get easier. And we have to understand that your circumstances may not change, but that God said... To come to me, and he said, I'm securing a place in eternity for you. And he said, I've made a way when there was no way. And he said, I will never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. And he said, it's finished on the cross. And turned to the sinner and said, today you will be with me in paradise. Amen. But your circumstances in the moment may not change. For the next couple of hours, it may appear as Jesus is a liar because I'm still nailed to this cross. But at the exact moment that he died, uh, that sinner on the cross next to Jesus, he was instantly taken with Jesus into eternity, just as Jesus said. Because what he says is truth, and it says, It will not return to me void. God's word is God's word. And when God speaks, he, he speaks. And I'm preaching you to today that we, if we will get that what God has said in his word is real, if we get this, that, that what he has said will be, we would be much more bold. We'd have much more faith. That he said that I will go with you and you're never alone. But the thing is, as soon as you begin to open your mouth to the person next to you, what happens? For a split second, you feel all alone. Until you open your mouth and you begin to speak in faith, for a moment, until he starts filling that mouth, you feel like, I can't do this, I'm so afraid, I've got nothing to give them, I don't know how I'm going to do it, all I know is that God wants to speak to this person, but I don't feel like I can, and I feel empty, and what am I going to say, and how's it going to go, etc. Amen? Are we all in the same boat? Do we feel the same? And yet, when we do it, something begins to happen. In fact, I believe that that water was soft, wet water until his foot was fully planted. I don't believe that he felt firmness. I believe when he put his toe in that water, it was wet water. It was only when he fully got out on that water and said, I'm going to walk towards Christ, that his feet began to feel firm upon that water began to walk. What I'm trying to preach to you is that there is a call, there is a a voice from God that has come through his word, a great commission. And it's not just that he wrote it in his word, but it's in your spirit that you know that you were made not just for you, but you were made to be a mouthpiece, you were made to be a witness, you were made to be a light. And until we do it. Uh, nothing's going to happen. And if you try to judge the circumstances waiting for them to change before you will do what God said, you will wait your whole entire life. So many people are waiting for God to come and call them before they'll step out and be a witness for them. But the call's already been done. In fact, the call was done the moment you said yes to Christ. You instantly became a light for Christ. You may not have been a very bright light yet, because still a lot of junk in us but there was a light in there instantly amen Actually, who can dig back, who can go back? And I've heard so many stories of people that were high and, and they were drunk and they were still living like the world, but something happened because they just committed their lives to Christ and there was this process beginning to happen and they were witnessing, even, even drunken at a bar stool, they're starting to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and they don't even know what's happening because something is starting to bypass them, something's starting to change. Amen? Amen. It says, so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus, verse 30. But when he saw, everybody say he saw. It says he saw the strong wind and the waves. He saw the strong wind and the waves. He was terrified and began to sink the greatest offense here is not that he didn't make it to Jesus the greatest offense here is not that he even looked at the wind and the waves but that he didn't trust what Jesus said once Jesus said to come he didn't pull back God doesn't pull back and believers So many of you have stepped out for God, and the Lord's going to call you to step out again, and like I said, I want to just rewind for a minute. Don't wait for him to call you that you have the right to share Jesus with someone. That's not what I'm saying, but he'll call you to greater levels, like where you got to just get rid of more stuff in your life. And you got to devote more time to him and less time to this world. That's what I mean by the calling. I don't mean by the, there's an instant voice inside you, but there's also a calling beyond that, a greater calling where he says to come. And and, uh, the greatest offense to God is that we don't trust what he said. We don't trust his word. We don't trust him. We begin to judge our circumstances and judge our surroundings. In fact, you know, as a preacher, if I judged your faces sometimes, don't get offended at me, but if I judge your faces and preached according to your faces, you might get a different sermon. Well, because, you know, Casey's over here, and Casey's just thinking, I'm hungry for lunch. He's got a natural body, human body. You know, but I think he's angry at me. He's thinking, oh, I can't wait to eat. <laughs> or why did I eat that breakfast burrito? And I'm thinking he's grimacing at me. So we cannot look at the things around us as if that is God. We cannot judge our circumstances as if that has anything to do with God. I know you're like, what do you mean? How's that possible? We need to truly be in this world, but not of this world. Jesus walked in the spirit, not in the flesh. And that's a hard thing to do because it is hard, just as it was hard for Peter to not look at wind and waves because everybody else in the whole world, including the other 11 disciples in the boat, are like, Peter, what are you doing out there on the water? including your own brothers and sisters, don't even know what you're doing. And you're like, I just got to trust God. I got to trust God. I got to trust God. And we have to trust him now. I believe that the Lord is calling us out onto the waters, calling this church out onto the water. He's calling his whole church across the world out onto the water. It's time to get out of the boat, get on the water, start trusting him, start having faith. It's easy to trust him in the boat in the securities that we have as Christians, but he's calling us out. He questioned Jesus instead of trusting Jesus. Because if he listened to Jesus say, come, why wouldn't he believe that it was possible? In fact, do you know when they got in this boat, do you know what just happened? The feeding of the 5,000. That's what just happened. They just fed 5,000 people from, you know, what we would call a small snack in American <laughs> appetites today, <laughs> was a subway meal for one, and he fed 5,000 people with it, and what's interesting is I had even considered uh, looking at that story within the sermon series of him and us, the connection between heaven and earth, work, God working through us, because that's another great picture, so I'll just mention it now. That God took this natural earth, he took natural elements, natural bread, natural fish, and they brought it to him, okay, so that was their faith, here, here's what we have. The Lord supernaturally changed it, put it back through the disciples. Jesus didn't hand it out, all Jesus did was break it apart. He just did the supernatural part. I'll do the supernatural part, you do the handing out, come on. If that's not a sermon, I don't know what is. I'll do the supernatural part, you do the handing out. I'll put the word in your mouth, you just open it. I'll, you just put your hand on them, I'll release my power. You don't worry about what happens and what doesn't happen. We need to stop judging the circumstances and say, well, I've laid my hands on someone before and it doesn't work. Because you have no idea what happened. You're looking at the wind and the waves. But we need to start trusting his word. His word says, lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. And yet, Elisha, I mentioned this some weeks ago, did twice as many uh, miracles as Elijah. Elijah goes to heaven in a chariot of fire, and Elisha dies of sickness. So you can't, just can't, you can't micromanage and try to break God down into human thinking. We don't understand what all that was. You just have to do what he told you to do, and you let him worry about that. Amen. The greatest offense was that he questioned Jesus instead of trusting Jesus. When he looked at the wind and the waves, suddenly he was relying on self. Because self says, I don't walk on water. And I believe that Jesus, faith is really faith once it's out of your power. It's easy to have faith when you're in the boat and be like, I can, I'm able, I'm capable of walking on water. I believe it. I know I'm capable of walking on that water. There's Jesus, there's the water, but I can do it. It's not really faith yet. It's not faith until you got out of that boat and you're actually walking on the water. Until you are beyond yourself. It's not you anymore. And as soon as self comes back, it says that he began to sink. You start relying on self again. Now, this is so big because, see, the world just relies on self all the time. So they're, they're not this, this sermon is not for the world. This sermon is for believers. Because believers trust God, and they have faith initially, but believers so many times, including myself, I'm putting myself in this category 99.9% of the time, we have faith out of the gates, and then the moment that we believe God at first, the moment we begin to... You know, we survey the circumstances. Let's see how this is going. Okay, God, I trusted you. Now, let's just, you know, break this situation down, and let's just see what you're doing so far. I advise you as believers, do not be backseat drivers to God, because all you're going to be doing is yelling at the road and yelling at the driver, and nothing changes. You ever realize a backseat driver does nothing except possibly cause an accident? They don't help in the situation at all. They just make the situation worse. As soon as self takes over, Christians, come on, listen to me. As soon as you start looking again, we need to get back to that place. Listen, we abandon our lives to what the world says is an imaginary creation of man penned down in books thousands of years ago that was born of a virgin by God inseminating her Come on, guys, are we, we already believe craziness to this world. Why are we suddenly trying to make God's plan and his miracles logical? Why are we second-guessing it? You know, when he tells us to do something, we begin to do it, and then it's not the outcome that we've expected in ourselves or that we're looking for. We're listening to the world. We start pooling each other's opinions instead of God's. And we start looking at all the natural things of this world and and asking therapists for their help instead of the Holy Spirit and asking books for their help instead of the Holy Spirit and, and asking self for help and micromanaging the situation instead of just continuing and doing what God told you to do. The reason that all the disciples lost their lives is because they didn't micromanage God's plan for their lives. If they had, the moment that they were put in prison, they would be like, I missed it. I'm following God. I gave up my life for him. I've given him everything. And now I'm arrested? This doesn't make sense. And yet they don't look at the circumstances. Remember, Paul is such an amazing story. He's beaten and stoned. That's not the amazing part. Now he's put in prison. And he does like what all of us would do in that situation. He begins to praise God and worship God. Just want to praise you, Lord. Just wanted to thank you. My tongue hurts even. Even my tongue hurts. So I'm going to praise you like this. But I'm still going to do it. That's what we would all do. That's what we would all do. It says, he was terrified and he began to sing, save me, Lord, he shouted. He said, save me, Lord. Now the Lord is faithful, isn't he? There's another half to the story, the Lord's faithful. Jesus immediately reached out and he grabbed him. Of course he will. Of course he will every single time. That's the other half of the story, but that's not the point of the story. Of course he's still there. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon you. He's not bashing you over the head because you didn't share the gospel with that person next to you, but that's what he wants. You have to understand that that's what he wants, but he's not going to condemn you, but that's still his will. Does that make sense? He's not upset with you today because you've been a lousy Christian, but he's encouraging you to be a better one, not because he needs you on some sort of chart. You know that he's gauging you, but because that's what he made you for, because that's, that's the best that he's called you for. Amen? Do we get that? Amen. Amen. Jesus immediately reached out, and he grabbed him, and he said, you have so little faith. That's what I love to hear when Jesus grabs me, just to remind me of that, though, at the same time. He grabbed me, but then he reminded me, you have so little faith. He said it with love, guys. I'm joking. He said it with love. He said... Peter, why did you doubt me? I believe he had so much love in his eyes at that moment. No judgment. Why did you doubt me? I believe the Lord says to us so many times, he's like, I don't know what else to do to show how much I love you. I, 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 I believe the Lord is literally bewildered sometimes. I, I don't get, what do I have to do for them? What do I have to get? I can't give them any more. I can't prove any more that I'm with them how many times do i have to bail them out for them to then be sweating in their next problem i've bailed them out for all of these years out of every single time and they were like the lord's never going to get me out of this one and i got them out and i just why do you doubt me why are you doubting me i just want to close with a couple of verses we doubt because we forget that it's Jesus, and we start thinking it's us. <laughs> it's simple. As soon as you think, how can I do this? This is impossible. Come on. You just need to just just be called crazy. Come on. I, I've preached this before, and I, I need to come back to that place, too. Just get used to being a fool, for Christ. That's what the Bible says. If you are expecting your world or even sometimes your Christian friends to look at you and look at your logical decisions that you have made and call you a good Christian, you are fooling yourself. Instead, be a fool for Christ and let them look at you and just scratch their head. I I don't understand. But you know that you know that you know that you know that you're following Christ and following his word. And it doesn't matter what anyone, even your fellow brothers and sisters, unless they're telling you to stop sinning and you're still sinning. But if they just don't understand your life and you have to just get to the place where you're a fool for Christ, you have to realize this. Galatians 3.3 3 says, uh, How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? You may know it as it's been in the spirit so far. You're trying to finish it in the flesh. You started out with your eyes looking to me. You got out of that boat and you had your eyes on me, Peter. Casey, you had your eyes on me when you got over the side of the boat. Don't start suddenly looking at the circumstances in your life and the things you should be and you shouldn't be and where you are and and all those things and start figuring that out. Just keep Your eyes, fix your eyes on me, and you will make it all the way to me. It says in Philippians 4.13, I can do everything, or you may know it as all things, right? Through Christ who strengthens me or gives me strength. I've preached that before. I can't do anything without Christ. I can only do anything and everything through Christ who gives me strength. The moment we take our eyes off of him, and I preached last week, I didn't I tried to really not re-preach the, the last two weeks. So you can go listen to those podcasts, but I will have to say this that Jesus is his word, his word is Jesus. So as soon as we start trusting opinions of ourself or someone else more than what the word says no matter how crazy the word looks to your situation the moment you begin to trust yourself trust their words more than his word you are going to begin thank god he's right there but you're going to start sinking and maybe you are in that place where you've been sinking and you're calling out to the lord and and yes he's going to reach out and grab you but the answer that's just to get that's like that's giving you medicine that's not treating the the you know the sickness that's just treating the symptom to treat the sickness we still have to now trust him he'll rescue you every time he'll keep rescuing you but we need to get to the place where we just trust him and uh, uh, lastly Ephesians 3:16 all these three verses they say something similar but their own in their own way and i feel like all three were worthwhile reading ephesians 3 verse 16 uh, says i pray that from his glorious i love how the nlt phrases this from his glorious unlimited resources i love that because that's the truth you realize that he had no problem creating the earth why do you think he has a problem with getting you through your situation? It's just craziness, and yet when we're in it, it doesn't matter. I can say that to you a thousand times, and your mind just won't hear it, will it? All your mind hears is the problem, the problem, the issue, the obstacle, the struggle, etc. It right? doesn't matter. Even this sermon today, maybe this sermon's only going to sink in in another week, or maybe you listening to the podcast, is going to take some time to sink in because your mind's still got you, but this is the truth. There's an unlimited power in Christ. I pray that his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for truth. We thank you, Lord, that your word says that the truth will set us free. Lord, we want freedom. And we want life. And we don't want to be, Lord, trapped any longer. We don't want to be looking constantly, Lord, at this world and constantly in fear and in worry or just trying to figure it out all the time. Lord, we want to be fixed on you. And Lord, just like your word says, very simply, I take care of the sparrow. I take care, Lord, you said, of the flowers. Why do we worry? Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for your love and your grace and your mercy, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.